Hi, I'm Danny Hernandez, a member of Christian Bible Fellowship. Welcome to today's episode of the Shepherd LA podcast. Shepherd LA is a conference to inspire and connect like-minded church leaders for greater church health in Los Angeles. Learn more at shepherdla.org. As always, I'm joined by PJ Tobian, a pastor of Bethany Baptist Church in Bellflower here in Southeast Los Angeles. So we are recording this podcast in light of one of our favorite pastor theologians and him falling by way of sexual morality and adultery more specifically. And I think it's been weighing heavy on us because he was one of our favorite pastor theologians. And so we've been processing this and talking through it, and I know a lot of other brothers have. So we sort of wanted to record this just to to help with that processing. So what was your first reaction, PJ, kind of hearing the news? Uh, My first reaction was I was uh, shocked and reeling. I felt like I told my wife, my wife and I found out at the same time, and I felt like I was standing on the edge of a skyscraper. I'm not good with heights, so I just felt like my legs were wobbly, and I just felt like vulnerable. I felt like this could happen to me. I felt scared. I felt sad. I felt heartbroken. Just a, a mixture of emotions that was really overwhelming and overbearing, for the the rest of the evening. And we had other important events that were going on in the church that evening. But all yeah. I could think about in the midst of people was what, what, what I just heard. Right. And I know that we've you know heard responses from a lot of folks. And we know Satan and sin want to destroy pastors. And a lot of folks have tried to make sense of everything that's happened. What have been some of the responses that you have heard in light of, in light of this? Well, from other pastors and friends, a lot of the same thing. Shock, disbelief, how could this happen? Um, Sadness for the most part. And um, thankfully from a lot of people, a lot of let us watch out, let's watch our own lives and um, doctrine closely. Right. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things that really resonated was on the statement that went out regarding uh, this brother, there was a, a sentence that really stuck out with me, and it was regarding in the public statement. Right, right. So, public statement that went out from the church. The, right. One of the statements there was them being sorry for the shame that this brought to the gospel and for the hurt that it caused um, other brothers and sisters, and, and that just weighed heavily on me. I think for me, as someone who has actually fallen this way as as a single guy, uh, giving into sexual morality and, and still preaching and leading. Uh, you know, I went through all that, and, and by God's grace, you know, I've been in a better place now. But even for me, just being reminded uh, by the sobering reality of sin and the effects and consequences that sin have, I think we can deceive ourselves that sin, we can sort of control it or keep it controlled in some way. But the effects that it has, not only on, on the gospel and on others, is, is so huge. So it's just really sobering to be reminded of that. Yeah, so as we think more about this... Um, I think a lot of folks want to think about how to fight discouragement or how to make sense of fallen leaders and even protecting ourselves from this. So what are maybe some things that you have talked to with others about um, in terms of these issues and, and how to think about it? Well, so I, I got, yes, text from messages from some brothers and messages about it. Um, I, I guess what, what I've been trying to get some of the brothers so some brothers say, would say like I'm praying for I'm praying for um, the person I'm praying for repentance I'm praying for true forgiveness and true repentance 
And I just commented on, to one of the brothers and said, hey, pray those same exact things for me. So what I've been trying to tell brothers, and I, I, the way I've been process, processing it personally is, I want to look at myself first in the mirror, and uh, I want to see myself, basically, as I see this person's fall, because this is a brother, like you said, we deep, deeply respect. I've learned so much from this brother. I looked up to him and um, have followed his leadership. So um, basically, I saw if this could happen to this brother, this, this can happen to me. And so I saw this is, the, this is the end game of my lustful thoughts and my lustful right. temptations giving into them. So um, I want to look at myself. I want to repent from my own sins and confess them to God and to others. I want to grieve over my own sinfulness first before looking at the brother and his sinfulness. I just want to see that's a picture of what's going on stirring it right here in me right now. Mm-hmm. And so I just prayed that. I think when I text you about it, I said, right. um, well, what did I say to you to confess? You know, you said if there, there's any hidden sin right now at this moment, you know, confess it to the Lord, confess it to other brothers in the church, like do it now, don't wait, don't keep that sin hidden. So, yeah, just really good reminder. Right, just jumping out ahead of it and, and repenting and, and not getting caught, but volunteering the information in, in a spirit of humility and repentance. And I think when you stare at another person's fall and you see a mirror of yourself that keeps you from self-righteousness mm-hmm. and from pride, like looking down on the brother, like how could he do that? Right. But it's like, how could I do that? Why, why am I, what am I doing that's pushing me in that direction? And that would breed hopefully humility and sobriety and really a sense of desperation that I need Jesus right now. And even with that, though, you know, what what advice would you give to the folks that do feel that way? You know, because I think I can understand that that's how you're kind of processing this. But I, I think for a lot of folks who looked up to this brother or even thought about this brother and, and how uh, successful his ministry was, how successful he was and gifted as, as a preacher, you know, they might think, you know, how could how could this have happened or how could this have gone on in this person's life? Like, how would you talk to, to those brothers who are maybe are feeling that or feeling the hurt of that or just confused by that? Yeah, so um, if they're asking how can that happen, I guess what I would say is um, it can happen to any of us. It happens by sin being um, committed, temptations, sins happening in your life and not repenting from them. And it starts small and it gets bigger and bigger, but that, that's how it happens. It happens over time. John MacArthur has taught us what, uh, in the fall of another leader. Uh, I had a seminary professor who right. fell into sin and committed adultery and was disqualified, um, was an elder at Grace Community Church. And, and what MacArthur has said over and over again in those times was, a man who falls into this type of sin doesn't fall very far, meaning that there's a lifestyle of cultivating hidden sins over time. Right. So that's how it happens. It happens by um, small sins, um, repeated over and over without repentance, being hidden, and learning to be what I would call a functional hypocrite. Yeah. Um, you know, we're hi- we're hypocrites for for any moment of time that we're pretending before we repent. Right. And the longer you are able to not repent, the longer you grow in hypocrisy, and then as you have fruitful ministry, you start to learn how to function in hypocrisy, and that and so every we, we can be functional hypocrites. But functional hypocrisy can only last so long. Right. So you, you talked about looking at ourselves and, and making sure that we are able to assess our own hearts and, as you said, be quick to repent and to, to find sin. 
any other steps that you would encourage people who you know are being impacted by this to, to consider? Yeah, so I would say look at yourself first in the mirror, then I would say focus on Jesus, go to Jesus right away and repent, you know, trust in his grace and, and basically call out for more grace. I'm thinking of Hebrews 4.16, that he's been tempted in every way like we are yet without sin. And so there's grace available for us in time of need. He knows exactly what we need when we need it. Man, mm. that phrase right there, right. I learned from that pastor mm. from, from a sermon on Hebrews 4, that Jesus gives us exactly what we need exactly when we need it because he knows our temptation that's yeah. just scary just to think about that right now mm-hmm. but um but that's, so, that's helpful that even the things that we preach how we are prone to fall into unbelief even the things that we know or been taught or the things we preach sure. ourselves right 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 and that's where the hypocrisy comes in so i would say focus on jesus and then learn like when you are shocked like as i've been shocked it's kind of like a sobering moment to see how much of my trust has slowly been moved from Jesus to people right. that I look yeah. up to. I mean, I want to look up to people. The Bible tells us to imitate our leaders as they imitate Christ, 1 Corinthians 11, 1. And yet, um, as we look up to our leaders, we, we, we don't want to be shocked, too shocked. We should expect them to be qualified biblically. At the same time, we shouldn't be completely shocked as if this could have never happened. This has happened. It will happen again. Sadly, it's just us. It's a matter of us being vigilant now. Yeah, I think we've talked about this even being aware of our own hearts to kind of give in to this celebrity Christian pastor kind of leader type thing. You know, I think I've been guilty of this, of going to conferences and, and hearing a really good speaker and being like, oh my gosh, you know, he did so well. And, you know, this person was so good as opposed to giving honor to God for what they highlighted or brought forth about the gospel. Um, and just seeing these men who are at the end of the day still sinful men yeah. Um, in a different light. So it's right. a good reminder of that too. The analogy I always use for that is the spoon, you know, being impressed with a spoon. Like right. if you go to like this restaurant and you just get the best meal ever, your favorite dish, the best dish you've ever had, and you're like, man, that fork was so <laughs> sharp, but yet it wouldn't poke through my skin or my tongue. And it was yeah. just, the, the fork would perfectly hold the food. Like, man, that fork, the way it felt in my hand, it was like the most awesome fork ever. And you're just like, what are you talking about? Who cares about a stupid fork? I mean, yeah. the fork is useful, right. but it's only because it's giving you the food. So here's Jesus being served. And we are, the preachers are these forks. And yeah. we're like, we're at a conference bragging about the fork. It's like, <laughs> that makes no sense. But, but we're, 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 we're prone to that culture. Right. You know, an, another step I would say is, so I would say, look, focus. And the third thing I'd say is pray. Pray first for your own soul. Pray for yourself first that, that you would learn what God's teaching you. Then I would say pray for your marriage. Pray for your leaders in your church. Pray for your church family to hold your leaders accountable. And to, to not in a way that's like suspicious, but in a way that's loving and natural and organic and regular, where we're regularly asking how we're doing, we're, re- we're regularly confessing sin, we're regularly sharing prayer requests of real burdens. Right. Pastors need to share, we need to share, I need to share my burdens with my church family, not just with fellow pastors, but with others, whether it's a burden of a temptation, a sin. You know, there's, there's wisdom in that, but I feel like people drive a truck through the, there's wisdom in that to not confess anything serious where there's no real vulnerability. So pray for your own marriage and your own church. Then I'd say pray for the fallen brother. Right. Pray for his marriage. Pray for his church. Pray for those who followed his leadership and who are being impacted by it. 
And then pray for other leaders. I've been talking to other pastors and saying, hey, brother, pray for me. I'll pray for you. So I've been pausing and praying for other pastors and their marriages and their churches. We need to do that. And then again, pray for your own soul because we, I am the one in biggest need of of God's grace as I think about the situation. And then the last thing, which is probably our last and biggest point here, is not only do you want to look at yourself in the mirror, focus on Christ, pray, but you also want to learn. There are lessons right. to be learned here. What are some lessons that you've taken away from, yeah. from this? Yeah, I think one of the lessons for me that's pretty significant, not only through my own experience, but even through, through this brother, is that successful ministry or, or your identity in ministry is not always the best indicator of what's actually going on in your heart and where you're at with God. I think from the outside, sort of looking in, um, you can assume that this brother is doing great and everything's fine. Um, and then to have this sort of come out, right, that's often not the real indicator. So I think remembering that is, is really sobering. And to some of what you said, just reminding myself to make it a regular pattern in my life to confess temptations to other brothers in the church and to my wife um, and to cultivate that more regularly, even even if things are embarrassing or things I, I don't want to share, even to do that. I, I think recently, um, you know, I, I confessed with some brothers in my church that there was just one day where there was a, a hint of attraction towards someone that I work with and just asking them to, to let me to talk to me about that, to ask me questions about that, to um, ask me, you know, whether I'm intentionally going out of my way to interact with this person. And I don't have to, and I let them know what that looked like. But even something as small as that and feeling that, um, I have just felt this has taught me to just confess more things like that. Uh, to your point, it, it, it's gradual. No one just falls into this. Um, so even things that we think are, are small or minuscule and not worth confessing, to confess those anyway. So I, I think those were, were two reminders that um, God helped me see through, through the situation. How about for you? Yeah, well, just to that point, you know, I remember in a previous church where I had an accountability brother. It was my first church, really, um, as a member and pastor, where I was a pastor, and I was confessing to a brother. I was newly married, maybe, you know, first year or year and a half of marriage, and I was confessing to a brother. You know, I'm attracted to another person. I could feel attractions to this other person, and I told the person the name. Yeah. I told the brother the name and asked him to pray for me. But, yeah, that, that, and he wasn't a pastor. Yeah. But it's just another member of the church that I need, you know, we need eyes on things. Because putting light into the darkness weakens the sin. Right. So so, so um, other lessons here. I, th- I think Alistair Begg's phrase comes to my mind. Remember that the best of men are men at best. Right. So just yeah. not, you know, um, I think, you know, another scary thing from what you said, the first lesson you, you talked about was um, that this brother most recently, now this podcast and this episode could apply to it really anyone's fall and there's been actually a few this year in the southern baptist world absolutely in, um, in 2018 but um but this particular brother that we're talking about now or that that um prompted this this recording now um this brother wasn't enamored by success from the world standards either hmm. we've had hmm. conversations i've had conversations with him about this like he wasn't impressed by numbers was it yeah. impressed by the following, by the platform, by being, you know, um, at a, as a conference speaker? He wasn't impressed by those things, and yet even him. So, so the standards are that sh- that that tricky. Right. That it's not just those typical standards. It could be even other standards, the nine marks of a healthy church, which I'm striving for at Bethany Baptist Church. It, you know, um, not being impressed by 
um, worldly things, and yet still missing missing a true, vibrant, meaningful relationship with the Lord. Um, other lessons I have here is God uses people, but life is a marathon. And what I mean by that is like you could run, if a marathon is 26.2 miles or something like that, 26 miles uh, long, you could run the first 13 miles really well yeah. and stumble and make, you know, shipwreck at mile 14, 15, and 16. Right. And so, or, or you, like I said to another brother today, like you could have 10 strong years of marriage, the strongest marriage in the country for 10 years, and then two years later commit adultery yeah. because 10 years of a strong marriage is no guarantee for the next 20. Right. Or the next 20 months. And so, um, yeah, it does happen slowly. It's not gonna, It might be a guarantee for the next 10 days. You know, but it's not going to, you know, like John Piper says, you can't live um, today's problems or today's issues on yesterday's grace. Right. You need future grace. You need fresh experiences of grace flowing to you moment by moment. So, um, you know, John Piper's also said it is a fight from start to finish to be happy in God. Right. So we just got to keep going. Um, another lesson is that there is no silver bullet. Mm-hmm to keep you secure for the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, I was saying that, I, I've been saying that the last few days, there's no silver bullet, there's no silver bullet, and just trying to be sobered by that. At the same time, there's no silver silver bullet to keep you secure for the next 10 years, but there is a silver bullet, um, and, and here's what it is. You won't fall into adultery if you repent from sin and trust in Jesus freshly every yeah. time you're convicted of sin. Right. Every day, every moment by moment. If you're every time you're convicted by sin, you you repent, you are grieved, you come to God, you repent, you confess it to the appropriate people, and you have a you know, and you're freshly trusting in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You will not fall. Yeah. But it starts with not doing that once, twice, five times for different sins here and there. And, and so we do a prayer of confession every Sunday. So I would say for me and for others, every time your church does a corporate prayer of confession, pay attention and pray and grieve over sin. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be and, and I know we've talked about this, but, but I, I think also when we, when we don't do that and we don't take those opportunities to receive more of God's grace, you know, obviously we trust that God keeps us by his grace to not fall into these sins. But when we miss those, on those opportunities, uh, we can harden our hearts, and then that's where you know we can become easy then to be okay with sin lingering in our life and these patterns of sin in our lives, right? Right, right. So First Timothy four sixteen is one that's been quoted a lot. Pay close attention to your life and teaching, persevere in these things. But you know the one that's coming to my mind with what you're saying here. This is John three, and I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. But John three, right after John three sixteen, Jesus says, in um, I'll turn my Bible here. John could edit this. So, In John 3, 19, it says, This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But if anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, oh, I'm sorry, but anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. So if you come to the light, mm-hmm. you're exposing sin. And you don't if you don't love the light, you don't want to you want to hide. 
But when you bring your sin to the light and you come to God with your works of goodness and your sins and you just bring it before God, that shows that God is working in you. And so, um, yeah, it's just really important to confess sin and to get out in front of it. It's always better to confess than to get caught. Always. It's never better to get caught. Ever. I mean, praise God for those who got caught. Got caught. Praise God for even this, these other brothers who've gotten caught recently because it, it could have been worse. Right. But it's always better to confess and, and repent. So as we sort of talk about this, and I know you've given a few examples here, any, any other practical maybe applications or how do you try to you know make it a rhythm to confess some of the sin or protect your own heart from this type of sin whether with your wife whether with other uh, church members what does that look like in your life now or what do you hope to kind of implement in light of some of this and what you're learning any thoughts on that yeah um so my my one of the i guess one of my biggest thoughts on it or the things that one of the texts have really driven my my life is Luke twenty two thirty one to thirty four, where Jesus says, "Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, mm-hmm. but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you return, strengthen your brothers." Yeah. And then Peter falls. Yeah. But his faith doesn't fail. And uh, I've preached this sermon many times in many contexts. It's my favorite sermon to preach. But it, basically, the point is understand your enemy, mm-hmm. Satan. Um, understand or rest in the Messiah's ministry. Christ prays for you and he dies for you and lives for you. And then repent and strengthen your brothers. So in other words, the, one of the things you ask practically, brother, what I do, we are in the job, not just as pastors, especially pastors, but all Christians, we, it's our responsibility to strengthen brothers and sisters in Christ. That's mm-hmm. our responsibility. Mm-hmm. But how does Peter do it? By repenting and learning that it's Christ's strength, not his strength, that would defeat sin and Satan. Peter was overconfident in himself. Dominic Smart taught me this in a book that's out of print now called When We Get It Wrong, my, one of my favorite books in discipleship. Yeah, but, it's a good book. But, but in that, like, um, it's your failure and your confession of it, your owning of it and embracing it, and then living, just resting in Christ, and then repenting, and then using your weakness to encourage other people is what actually strengthens other people more than your strengths. Mm. So what does that mean for me? I'm a pastor. I disciple people. That means if I'm going to strengthen people in my church effectively, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to be the lead repenter. I'm going to yeah. have to repent more than other people. I'm going to have to repent to God genuinely and then repent even in many ways in front of them. Yeah. And, and, and so um, what does that mean for me practically? Yesterday when, when we got the news, my wife asked me, how are you doing? Hmm. We had hard, we've had hard questions about lust. We ask um, questions about, you know, how are you doing with things? If, if Francis, just a, a few um, months ago, Francis was asking about, my, am I attracted to another person, very specific person? Hmm. And we had questions and discussions about that. All these things, helpful things. We've talked about how to work through it. So instead of running from it, it's like, okay, let's examine that. Should we, um, what should we do to find out? How can we work this out so that we're, we're continually working on things? So there's a green light to ask any question. Um, there, I have accountability partners like John Lee, um, our pastor, my pastoral assistant, one of my closest friends, and then others in the church. It's always church members around me who become my closest friends because we're confessing sin to each other, Chris Valencia and others. So um, we confess sin to each other. We text each other um, when we feel tempted. And we pray for each other regularly. We don't have a regular set time of accountability. That right. might be good, but... Um, I think Mark Dever and D.A. Carson, they, they had a, a pastor friend in um, 
at Eden Baptist Church in uh, in the UK, but somewhere there, someone said to to one of those brothers, you know, if someone's gonna lie to you, they're gonna lie to you. Yeah. You know, and we've we, we you know I've experienced that before. It's just like you could have an accountability partner. If they lie, they're gonna lie. You could you can't do anything about it. Right. But you could just do your best to be as honest. So that's a practical thing: is confession, repentance, openness, vulnerability. But I think the key to it, biblically, Luke twenty two thirty one to thirty four is understanding that in your weakness, from your weakness and failure and sin, and your resting in Christ, your brokenness, that's where your strengthening others comes from. If you really believe that, and you live in light of that, which I don't do perfectly, I need, even now I'm being challenged to do it afresh. Right. If you, but if you really believe that, and you really believe that your strengthening others comes from your weakness and your repentance, then you'll repent, because repentance is a gift from God. And I think developing that sort of culture, in particular for pastors and church leaders, helps with not feeling so defensive or not feeling like you have to have um, a performance-based mentality or culture developing your church where everyone has to seem like they have it all together or you feel like you have to you know, make your sin sound better than it actually is or to minimize it in some way. Or when someone asks you or how your wife asks you just a very direct question, you know, your guard doesn't have to come up because it's something that you're doing regularly. It's something that right. you know is good for you, and it's good for the church, and it's good for those around you. So yeah. I think it's good to, to have that type of culture. Two resources, briefly, mm-hmm. that are online. One is The Cross and Criticism by mm-hmm. Alfred. I can't remember his last name. It begins with a P. It's yeah. a CCEF, a Journal Biblical Peacemaker, Counseling. Peacemaker Ministries. I think. I think he has the Peacemaking Pastor. It yeah. might be the same guy, but he has a book or a, a, an article online called The Cross and criticism. Another yeah. one in terms of the community of grace or culture of grace, Tim Chester has a few blog posts yep. at timchester.wordpress.com on a community of performance versus a community of grace. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, those things are helpful not to just read, but to actually practice in your church. Do you have any uh, maybe warnings or, or, or cautions for pastors who are either hearing this or who are kind of processing some of the news that came out uh, with this leader or for any fallen leader, you know, going forward, is, is there any reminders, cautions that you would have for, for pastors? Um, no, well, I think the fall in and of itself is the big caution. I guess my, my main call would be that um, brothers, I'm speaking to myself now, PJ and other brothers, pastor brothers, um, we need to personally and ecclesially repent and trust Jesus. What I mean by that is we need to repent from our sins regularly, trust in Jesus freshly, and we need to do it in confessing sins to even other brothers and even our spouse in the church. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another. And so um, I'm not talking about a Roman Catholic sense, but in a sense of getting help and strength for your soul. Mm -hmm. Any other lessons, takeaways in regards to this that are on your mind or have been on your mind? Um, No, I, I think... If, if you're a pastor, don't get into pastor mode because before you're a pastor, you're a Christian. And before you're a pastor, you're a member of a church. Right. So think of yourself fundamentally as a member in need of grace more than in terms of you um, being the one who leads people to grace. Um, be the lead person who gets the most grace by being desperate. So I'd say that, but I, I would say if, if you don't, if you do repent regularly and trust Jesus freshly, and, and confess that in the context of your local church with brothers and with your spouse, you will grow in humility. You will pray for others more effectively in this regard. You won't be overly impressed by others. 
Mm-hmm. And you'll you'll confidently move forward in ministry. Because I admit, I was shaken when I heard this news. Yeah. And yet, um, that was yesterday. Today, I'm just kind of after processing. I can confidently move forward if I'm repenting from my own sin. And actually, I'm just... I haven't even done this, but I need to actually take time even tonight to just take, you know, five or ten minutes to examine my own heart in prayer and then confess some sin, maybe even journal, and then even see, are there, you know, with my brothers here in the church, um, are there sins I need to confess to them? Are there things I need to confess to my wife? Temptations mm-hmm. on the horizon or right now in front of me that I need, any small habits online, on my phone mm-hmm. that I'm just kind of slipping on and just being more comfortable with. So, um yeah, that if now if you don't do this, if you don't repent regularly, yeah, and um and and trust in Jesus freshly, conviction by conviction, then what you'll do when you see a brother fall is you'll grow in self righteousness. Hmm. You'll look down on him. You're like, oh well, that happened to him. That would never happen to me. Or right. you know, um, and we don't want to grow in self righteousness. You'll grow. You'll strengthen self delusion. Yeah, in thinking you're stronger than you are, like Peter did. Yeah, and you'll set yourself up for a fall in that regard. And you won't point others to Jesus. You'll point others to your own strengths. Yeah. And that's not going to help anybody. Now, um, there's one thing. One other thing I was going to say is, um, for this brother who fell, for brothers who fall, the good news is that there's still forgiveness. Like like Peter. Peter fell drastically with denying Christ three times, and yet right. Christ prays for Peter. He prays for us. He uh, Hebrews seven twenty five says he intercedes for the saints. He's able to save us to the end. Mm-hmm. because he prays for us. So Christ is praying for true Christian brothers, pastors and non-pastors to endure to the end. We've, we've learned a new hymn recently in, in churches in churches in America. He will hold me fast. Yeah. yeah, Christ will hold us fast to the end. And so that's the good news that we want to cling to at the end is that Christ prays for us. He died for us. Grace is available, available to us in our small sins that don't disqualify us from pastoral ministry and, and in our bigger sins that do disqualify us from pastoral ministry. There is grace to be had if we would repent and trust in Jesus and, and walk with Christ day by day. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things that we've talked about, even from my personal experience and, and even as I, as I heard this, it's just the, the joy that comes with actually having a clear conscience uh, I think that has been a big lesson that I had to learn through it, through my own failures. But I, I, yeah, just the power of that really was a good reminder again for me through this of being in a position where you know you have nothing to hide. So no matter what accusations come your way or, or what comes at you, if you are actually doing this and trusting God's grace, being quick to confess, that's something that you don't have to worry about. Thank you, brother, for your responses and for helping us process some of this and I know I needed to do it, and uh, I know we're both saddened by this, brother, but at the end of the day, Christ is so much greater and sweeter, and, and thank God that he holds us fast by his grace. As we close, do you mind praying for us? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are grieved and mourning and angered at sin. We realize that Satan is real. Demons are real. Temptation is real. The influence of the world is real. Sin indwelling within us and tempting us is real. The temptations of others is real, Lord. And so we just uh, grieve for our our brothers who have um, fallen recently and disqualified themselves from pastoral ministry um, due to adultery and sexual immorality. We feel our own weakness. And so, Father, we pray that you would hold us fast. We pray that you would give us strength and hope in you. Grant us uh, regularly and deeply the gift of repentance 
grant us the gift of faith, fresh faith in Christ, treasuring him and leaning on him and desperately uh, clinging to him and, and, and receiving from him grace through faith. Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd pour out grace on us. You know our temptations. You know our weaknesses. You know exactly what we need, what grace we need, when we need it. So pour it out on us, we pray. Hold us fast, Lord Jesus. We trust in you and we hope in you. We pray for the other brothers in Los Angeles, the pastors um, here, um, and, and other church members, that you would hold us fast, that we would grow in purity and holiness, that we would pursue pursue you, pursue purity, um, holiness and repentance and faith um, along with all those who call on you from a pure heart. We pray for restoration for our brother, um, restoration to uh, gospel fellowship, maybe not pastoral and gospel, pastoral ministry, but gospel fellowship, church fellowship, restoration with his wife and family and most of all restoration with you. And uh, we pray, Lord, that we would take heed ourselves lest we fall. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, thank you, brother, for helping us process some of this. And uh, thank God for good news that even though we fall as sinners, we have a God who holds us fast by his grace. Thank you.